Welcome to the Seeing God podcast. Today, we're sharing an interview with Les and Deb. They're missionaries in South Asia, but they haven't always been. Before going into missions about 10 years ago, they had careers in home building and working at a law office. They talked to us about saying yes to each new thing that God asks, even when it seems like it may be beyond their abilities. We'll hear about selling their brand new custom-built house, preaching with a translator who wasn't actually translating, and listening to the little things God says. This is a podcast that tells stories about what God is doing right now in the world. We focus on what is happening with, in, or through Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. I'm your host, Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Let's get started. We're really excited to have you, Les and Deb. Thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Can you just give us the broad strokes of what you do here in South Asia? Well, I oversee a heart house. It's a handicraft ministry, uh, which was created after the war. It left many widowed and abandoned women that needed to make um, earn some income. So there was a nurse that felt the burden for that and opened up the ministry. So that is my responsibility to help these women. Back then, they had small children, and what were they to do? Today, this ministry provides work for 26 individuals, and um, I help also in the business office with some um, financial matters for the hospital. So you mentioned there's a hospital here that's been here for how long? Over 50 years. Yeah, almost 60 years years now, yeah. And so my uh, job, primary job, is... Uh, physical plant director. So that means that I take care of everything. We have a 48-acre compound here Mm -hmm. and the hospital and the homes and uh, medical equipment and vehicles and whatever else there is, that's my job is to keep them all going. And uh, so it's, uh, I don't have to look too hard to find something to do usually. How many beds are in the hospital? Uh, currently, we have 56, something, like, think, that, something yeah. like that, yeah. Now, you and said currently. Currently, because mm-hmm. we're in the process of building a new building, mm-hmm. and that will be at least 100 beds, the potential to even uh, maybe go to 150 beds later on in the future. So uh, that we hope to finish in the next year or so, Lord willing. Uh, that's been running for since 2012, so six mm-hmm. years running. Uh, so it's it's been a long project, but uh, it's a beautiful building. It, it will be a, a great place for uh, people to come and receive care. And then as they come to hear mm-hmm. about uh, the great physician, about mm-hmm. Christ, and, and have the opportunity through what would be a disaster in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now the other case, and, and it is anyway, an mm-hmm. accident or disease or something like that, but have the opportunity to hear uh, about Christ when they may not have ever heard any other way. Wow. So how many years have you been living and working here? Uh, we've been here since 2012 career. Uh, 2009, we came for two years short term. The first time we came was in 1999 okay. uh, for a year short term. Uh, so we're now, since 2012, we've been here 
so six years. Well, you know, our listeners can't see you, and I know Deb doesn't have any gray hair, but you definitely have gray hair less, so. So that would speak to my age. So that, that kind of tells me that you didn't always do this. What did you do before you came No, we didn't. Uh, I was a builder, home builder, mm-hmm. uh, for many years. We lived in Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, just that, that was my job, uh, Deb. I was um, a legal secretary for a medical um, malpractice defense firm, and I had done that for about 25 years. Wow. So after all that time and experience, what possessed you to pick up and move to South Asia? God. God, I'd say God. <laughs> God we possessed you. That's <laughs> true. I guess back then, it was like missions was never on my radar. Mm. Um, Les had brought it up a couple of times, but I was not interested. It was kind of like, if you want to go do that, I'll stay back here. Mm-hmm. And then we took a following God Bible study, mm-hmm. and that changed my life. Um, we had just built a house off a lake, and I told him, I'm not selling this house. We just built it. And then we were continuing going through the study. And after finishing the study, Les and I were out walking, and I said, Les, I'm ready to go. And I'll even sell the house. And when I say God changed my life, God, it made me realize how much bigger God was. That, you know, God chose me and he didn't have to. So it was a long journey to get here. Like he said, we came in 1999 for the first time. And just one thing led after we came was our children the first time. And they were 14 and 10 at the time. And after spending a year here, um, we felt we definitely loved the people. We just, the people just became really burden for them um so when we went back to the states our mind was always here so when we say god chose god put that in our heart at least in mine i come from an unbelieving background at the time and missions you think i'm giving up what i have but how could i say no to a god that gave up his life for me so that's what's brought us here how were you introduced to god my grandmother Hmm. Um, i come from a broken home a very abusive home And so I would take refuge with my grandparents. I would go on the weekend and spend time with my grandparents. And I knew I could go to church. I knew there was something different about church people. I didn't see the anger that I grew up with every day. So I would spend the night and go to church with them. And then that kind of passed. And many years went by where I guess I kind of didn't go. And then a bus ministry came into our neighborhood. And so as a teen, that's what got me back into church and realizing that um, I needed more in my life. Mm-hmm. And I accepted the Lord at that time, but it never changed my life. So when did your life change? I'd say when I was about 30, in my 30s. I always kept God, I'll go to God at my timing. Mm-hmm. And just after taking theology classes and realizing that um, that's not how it works, and um, after just one trial after another, I realized that it was either now or never that I had to give my life to the Lord because I was never going to find the peace that I was looking for. And when I finally did that, I mean, like I said, everything just changed. It was kind of like material things didn't matter anymore. You know, what could I do for the Lord, serve mm-hmm. the Lord? So that's why we're here today. Thanks. How about you, Les? How were you introduced to God? When I was six years old, my uncle, uh, he 
aunt and uncle lived in Florida, mm. and uh, so we didn't see them very much. We go maybe maybe every year or something like that visit. And uh, he was uh, chaplain, and uh, so when he came to visit, it, it was just special having my uncle there. And uh, so they came to our house, and uh, we cooked Chinese food that night. And at bedtime, he came in my room and he asked me uh, if I wanted to go to heaven when I die. And so he explained that and then uh, asked me if I wanted to pray, you know, did, did I want to go to heaven? I can pray. And I prayed and I grew up in church. I mean, from the time I was a baby, uh, we were in church. In fact, it was that church that started the bus ministry in Deb's neighborhood. And I drove the bus that picked her up on that bus route at that time. So that was where we met and ended up. Wait, wait, wait. You were the bus driver? Like you literally were I her literally bus driver? I drove the bus <laughs> that picked her up from her neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, a young bus driver. Very young. That. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so I was in church all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but I struggled all my teenage years with trying to live a... Uh, I, now I would say a righteous life, but mm -hmm. just trying to, to live what the Bible told us to live. And, and, and I just never felt sure. And then we took the theology class. We, uh, part of our training after we came here in 99 at our church, our pastor taught a systematic theology class using the Millard Erickson's systematic theology book. And, and it was then that I discovered, uh, number one, how big God is, and mm. number two, that it wasn't up to me to keep my salvation or to be good enough. I was saved because God had chose me before the beginning of time, mm. and that I was His, and that that He was the one who would keep me. And I was going to sin. That's who I am. And and I mean, not that that's okay. But that's normal, and and that there's forgiveness for that, and God has paid for all of that, and and so it was during all of that 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 I really, I mean, my God exploded at that point, just became huge, getting that realization that I didn't have to worry about am I saved? I I know that He saved me, not that I did anything and, and chose him. So that's, that's uh, I'm sure I can remember that day with my uncle so many years ago uh, that, that God opened my heart to that. But that was when I, I really understood and, and just grown from there. And, and I think God used that first missions trip to open the door to those kind of things. I don't know if we'd have taken that theology class or if it would have happened uh, we were kind of the catalyst for a class since we needed to do those things to get back here. Uh, so uh, it was just a, a great blessing in our lives. And it was then through all of that that we ended up getting back here. Mm -hmm. And and God took us from that first time in 1999 when a carpenter and a secretary came here uh, to the next time when we came in 2009 for another two years and I came here and that's when challenged me to 
preach in the churches and I'd never preached anywhere before. Mm. And here was God then saying, okay, now you're ready for the next step. Well, let me stop here and recap. So you're saying you both had times when you you were drawn to church, you were drawn to the fact that Jesus died to save you from your sin and you know you wanted to go to heaven and mm. made that choice. But then there was a time later on in life when you were really studying God's word that you came to comprehend yes. what that grace really was. Absolutely. And Still then, do. Yeah. Well, yeah. We all kind of have to be reminded <laughs> yeah. of it, don't we? Yeah. Still growing. Now. So you came to understand that, like, it's all finished. Like, you're forgiven. That's, like, not the point. You're right. forgiven. Right. And you saw God in a much bigger way. Much Am bigger. I hearing that Absolutely. correctly? Yeah. So you, so there was a ten-year time frame between your first visit and your next visit, yeah. and during that time, I mean, can you remember some of your favorite moments with God after that kind of awakening happened? You know, I, I think, I mean, that was probably the highlight. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I can remember being in class and and reaching that realization mm-hmm. when. When I, you know, when it just came to mind that that this was not me who did this, this was God who mm-hmm. sent His Son to die so that He could give me life. I mean, that just changed everything, and that's I think where a a greater desire to read God's Word and to know it and to grow in it and and just to be hearing from God's Word just by reading it every day. Mm -hmm. That began there. And that was God preparing for what He had in mind in the years ahead. For me, it was like um, we had made the commitment, okay, Lord, we'll go where you want us to go Mm -hmm. for the year. We just built this house. And, you know, we thought, okay, we'll put it up for sale. We put it up for, I mean, hundreds of people on the weekend came through. And, and the realtor couldn't understand, nobody's made an offer. And, you know, like we knew the time was coming when we wanted to leave. And then we hear, you know, Lord, if you want us to go, you have to make, you have to take care of this. You have to take care of what we have. And the realtor calls the next day, we got an offer. It's a cash offer. Okay, if that's not God, who is it? Same thing with a brand new car. What are we going to do? How are we going to sell this car? Someone comes from our church, we'll take over the payments and take the car. So I felt like anytime I would have doubt, God would say, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I still see God doing that today. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're away from our family. We're away, but God continues to take care of them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this has become home. This is our home now. And it's like you go back and it's like, okay, we've done what we have to do there. When can we go back? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just me with... I listen to music any chance I get. Music is my healing. That's when I talk to God. God talks to me through music. And I mean, there doesn't a day go by where I'm in there singing away and crying at the same time. And and I feel God talking to me at that moment. It's going to be okay. You know, or or like he said, or you read a, a certain devotional. Wow, God spoke to me through that today. I really needed that today. And it seems like just when you're at your bottom, God just brings it to life and mm-hmm. says, I'm there for you. Listen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you think you get too busy and you don't listen to the little things. The little things sometimes are the most important.
you said less that in uh, 2009 when you came back. Okay, you came back. Here you are. You're a home builder, a carpenter, and you come back. So, so who's in 2009, we came back, we came two years then, still short term or not fully supported. Uh, so we came here uh, to help with the beginning or some of the building project. And uh, we knew we wanted to come back here and we knew we had to learn the language. Mm -hmm. And so was our language tutor. And we were in class for a week and looked at me and he, and he said, you should be preaching in the churches. We thought he was crazy. <laughs> I, I told him, don't you know they don't speak English in those churches? That's why we're studying the language with you, and I'm really not good enough yet. And, and he said, oh, no, 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 I'll translate for you. And I said, okay. Had you I, ever done that before? I had never done that before. Uh -huh. I, I mean, I had to preach once or twice in a church because mm -hmm. we're visiting churches to mm -hmm. raise support and, mm -hmm. and uh, inform people about our uh, what we're going to be doing here. But that was only out of obligation to do so, not because that's what God had, had gifted me to do. And uh, But we started doing it, and God just blessed it, and, and we're still, we do that today. He doesn't translate for me live anymore. We were working together maybe... Um, six months or so, maybe even a little longer, uh, translating. And I was thinking, boy, we got it. I, I would finish saying something and he would start. He would finish. I would start. I thought we got the perfect cadence here. We're doing great. He came to me and he said, I can't translate for you anymore. I said, why? What? Yeah, we're, we're having a great time. Everything's going great. He said, no, a, a translator must translate what you say. And he said, when I hear you say something, then I want to start preaching it. And sometimes I don't say exactly what you said. I just kind of start going with it. And I had always wondered why sometimes I only said a couple words. And <laughs> <laughs> he <was> taken up. <laughs> That's so this, great. This language is going to be really tough to learn. Okay, so I was not a preacher so, before was a preacher. Before. He was before. So he okay. was a pastor and uh, and he, his, his English was very good and uh, so he just worked really well with short time people mm -hmm. to be able to communicate with him and, and then learn the language. So we started doing that. So when he said he couldn't translate anymore, we had to come up with a way to do it. And so what I still do today is write my sermon in English and then he and I sit down together and he'll translate it for me and then I type it out and that's how we how we preach the in the churches now. So he doesn't go with me or he, a lot of times he'll go just to hear, but he doesn't uh, have to translate live. And so that's kind of nice because when I get 30 minutes now, I get all 30 minutes. I don't have to wait yeah. for the translator. You don't have, yeah. So, <laughs> So that's how we do when I go to to the churches, but but that's not the most exciting part for no, you. It, no, no, it, it it's uh, now uh, a couple of years ago a uh, terrorist incident happened here, and when that happened, we were out. He and I were out in the village one night, and he said, "I think you should probably not go out for a while," and and I knew that if he was saying that 
that it was serious because he, he knows I'm not afraid. I know he's not afraid. So there's something's going on and, and I'm not hearing it. I'm not feeling it, but he is. So I stopped. And as soon as I stopped, people started to jump in in my place. A guy jumped in and said, I'll drive the car. Another guy jumped in and said, I'll put up the screen and carry things. And from there, uh, now we have a whole team that goes out, three ladies that go to speak to the ladies, uh, different age groups, the older ladies, the teenage girls and a young girl. So each woman handles a group and uh, speaks to the men. And we have another pastor that joins now and then, and that team goes out three or four days a week and does Sunday school in the village. We're just seeing God work in amazing ways. And now I don't even go with that team anymore. And so I started working with another young man uh, who's been working with the youth, uh, youth choir at the local church here. And uh, he's got a, a real gift uh, to write music and communicate. So God's just bringing us together. So this is a new direction for me. So he and I go out and we've been doing youth conferences and I'll speak there and we'll sing songs. We're translating some of the uh, new uh, uh, 10,000 reasons and this I believe and things like that. Really nice declaration songs of faith into the local language. And the young people are just loving it and learning mm -hmm. these songs. And uh, it's giving us opportunity to to nurture and mentor the next generation mm. of believers coming up that are going to be the next ones taking the team out. Uh, so God has just blessed that in amazing ways for a guy who came out here, never preached, doesn't do that. This isn't, I mean, I built homes. That's what I did. Here, I love, uh, I lead the our evening, our worship service here. And I did that at our church before. Here meaning for all the foreigners yeah, that work of, here. Yeah, for mm -hmm. all the English-speaking mm -hmm. people here. I lead the service uh, every week now. And I just, I, I love doing that. I did that at our church before we came out. And, uh, and now this is kind of a, an offshoot of that to be working with this uh, young man. And, and God has given him a gift of being able to share more in a, in a storying way with the young people and and uh, uh, in a language that I haven't learned yet, uh, a local village dialect, so he can, even after I've shared from Scripture, he can come in and tell some stories that relate to that in their local language and just make that understanding blossom. Uh, so God's opening new doors and giving us new opportunities to to do things that, uh, I mean, you, you just could not have convinced us that God was going to do this through us, a builder and a secretary uh, at a hospital in, mm -hmm. in South Asia. So, I mean, that that's a highlight now. God is just doing things that we we could never have asked or imagined. Yeah, you know, so one of the things you said when you were back there studying theology, yeah. which sounds kind of rather dry, <laughs> you know, we're talking about God and experiencing him and yeah. all that, and here you are you're studying theology, but that you came to comprehend that God was so much bigger yeah. 
and and that fuels worship. I mean, if you if you realize who he is, the creator of the universe, and he he holds the planets in their place and knows every star by name, and he knows how many hairs I still have hair on my head, uh, though they're gray. There's still enough there he has to count them, but I mean, he cares that much about us, and he's that big. I mean, that's amazing. That's that's. I mean, you can think a long time on that and and just not comprehend it. Mm. But when God is that kind of God, and He cared enough to die for me, uh, I mean, there's lots to worship. Real easy to do that. I, I love that part. That's a. I mean, it keeps me busy. It's it's at times takes time I don't have, but. Uh, there's nothing more I, I, I'd rather do uh, mm-hmm. than do that or be typing a sermon ready to go out and use it somewhere. Uh, so those that's been a change that when we came here just a few years ago uh, wasn't even on our radar screen. Yeah, so what I'm hearing you saying is, you know, you came, you thought you're going to be building things and it's you're going to be happy yeah, building yeah, things. Yeah. Then this very big God that you came to understand while studying theology <laughs> joined with your willing heart, you know, your open heart. All of a sudden, here you are thrust into preaching through yeah. translation. And then uh, what I'm hearing is just this beautiful picture of you being the servant of this big God where you're the preacher and then the the man who's translating says no 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 you can't do that like i i need to to do that you yeah. know and so and then now you weren't even doing that you're just the facilitator yeah. and helping it happen but then god's moved you to this other place to help lead to help raise up worship leaders yeah, yeah. so it's it's been who amazing to thank it. who to yeah. thank it exactly that's that's amazing one of the things that i learned uh, when i first started uh, when we started translating, I started reading my sermon. I didn't understand the language then, but I could read it, and it sounded like I was speaking it as if I really knew it. And and so the first time that I preached in the local church here without a translator, using my my prepared sermon, I read that, and I had, other than I had written it in English, so I knew the theme of the sermon, but I had no idea what the word said. I was just pronouncing these words that, that were in, you know, English characters, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, but there it don't mean anything that I know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I finished up and a couple days later, a guy, while I was at work at the workshop, came by and he said, God has been just really working in my life since I heard you in church, just the way that you said it and the way that your your emotion in it when you spoke it just cut right to my heart. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I couldn't have done that because I didn't know what the words meant. There's no way. <laughs> Here you are reading the words. I'm yeah. reading words wow. I don't even understand, and I'm emphasizing them in his ears in just the right way that God's working in him. And and so I learned right in the beginning, I didn't have to do this. I didn't have to be a great preacher. Uh, I just had to say yes when God said, will you? And and so anytime someone invites me 
uh, to preach in a church or to go to a conference or whatever, I always say yes. And God always uses it and blesses it. And, and I still read it, though now I do understand what I'm reading. <laughs> uh, so that's, I, that's way better. I enjoy it. But I know that I don't have to worry about if, if I present it, you know, well enough, eloquently enough, say everything absolutely perfectly. I know that in the person's ear, uh, God, through his spirit, we use it. I love what you just said. You said, anytime God, God you know, says to do this, I say yes. Yeah, that's you, where it's all come from. Yeah, just, you, that yeah. first invitation, didn't know who we were. Where he got that, uh, other than from God just prompting him to say, you should be preaching to the churches, where would he have ever gotten an idea to say something like that? Unless he tells everyone and they just don't say yes. I don't, I don't know. But had I not said, said yes that day, that would have just been gone. And who knows where we would be doing, maybe just working on equipment and buildings and cars. Uh, mm-hmm. But today, God's done so much and allowed us to be part of it mm-hmm. uh, just because he said yes one day. Yeah, I'll try that. To, the, to your big God. Yeah. yeah, to our big God. Yeah, mm. Deb, I know your experience is a little different than that. Nobody asked you to preach, I don't think. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you have a heart the size of this building that we're in here. And uh, you've been sharing, um, and I got to meet today uh, a woman named who uh, has been working in your shop. Can you tell us a little bit about that situation? What I've heard about is she's worked for Hard House for a long time. She does work at home because mm-hmm. with um, she's not allowed to work outside the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she comes in. Once Why is week. that? She's Muslim mm-hmm. and her husband forbids it. But he lets her come in and make a living and bring the work back to her home. So her and her sister do the work together and they get paid by the piece. They do um, hand, embroidery, mm-hmm. hand embroidery. And it's beautiful. You would look at it and think it's machine done. But the more I get to know this woman, I always was concerned about her because she's very thin, very, she's had a very hard life, mm-hmm. never smiles. Mm-hmm. And I started asking questions to the lady I work with, and I said, you know, what's her story? And then she tells me that um, her son was kidnapped by some local terrorists trying to make him a suicide bomber. And he was able to escape from that and get back home. And um, her husband, he's in and out of the picture from what I understand. So I was past, I had these sweaters that were donated. And usually the peace workers don't get anything. You know, and I thought, you know, I have plenty. And the workers that I work with, they, they could get, at that time they were given a lot. And um, so I gave her and her sister a sweater. This woman just melted and had the biggest smile. It just made me cry. I said, I have to get to know this lady. Um, So I've been working, um, getting to know her. And at the end of the year, I try to give workers bonus. And I thought, you know, these peace workers work hard for us. So this year I'm going to give them a small bonus also. But it's all in my hopes that I'll be able to share the truth with her somehow, some way. Um, But just to see her smile. And everyone has said what's happened. They've never seen her smile the whole time they've known her.
we have another lady who's got a um, alcohol addiction, and she was an outcast of the net, the village that she's in. And um, her one of her relatives came to me and asked if I could help in any way. So we've brought her in. Um, she's been with us for a couple months. It's been kind of rough these last couple weeks, um, but she hasn't drank mm-hmm. in these two months. She's gone through withdrawals. Mm-hmm. She's back in church. Um, she's still hard, um, but I keep praying that um, God will change her. She has two beautiful daughters, and her daughters would come home from school and find her drunk on the floor. Her husband was left to do all the cooking, housework after working all day. And I think now she's not drunk, so she's cooking, taking care of her girls. And even to see her girls smile today and greet me, it's just there's so many people out there like that. And I feel like that's what this ministry was for. It was started for the handicapped and the widowed. And I'm slowly changing that a little bit. It's for the destitute. It's for the ones that have nothing. So hopefully that'll keep going in that way. But just a little bit of glimmer that I can get into the lives of these people. Deb, you and I spoke uh, maybe a year or a year and a half ago, and you were feeling pretty discouraged about the work there and not sure what direction to take it in. Right. What changed it? it? What did God do? Well, at that point in time I came, it was in huge debt. And it was kind of, well, either it keeps, it can't keep going in the way it was, is what I was told by our finance Mm -hmm. department. You either need to turn it around or it's closed. Well, I spent my day, every time I came here, I was there with those women. I knew those women personally. So I thought, I can't let that happen. So I just started, I mean, Lord, I said, you got to help me with this. So we shut the ministry down for 30 days. And I went through name by name, family by family, who had family members that could take care of them. And I told them if they had a job, I would call them. So at that point in time, we let 10 people go because they had sons that were working in the hospital. They didn't need this anymore. It was just for something to do. And then we count on a major um, handicraft marketer um, company in the country to buy. And then you went through a spurt of time where eight months there was no order so I had to retire more people. And our roofs would leak every time it rained. Um, it was dark and dingy. The rats were just in there everywhere. And I thought, Lord, what can I do? And I just started crying out to God, Lord, you've got to help me with this building. Then we get word from someone that had been receiving our prayer letter for, what, 10 or 12 years. I've never met them, less met them, when he went on a short-term trip somewhere else. And they said, We've sold some property, and we've been following your letters, and we want to help you. So they gave us a huge gift. They said it was for to to redo the building, not to give loans, not to. So we used that money, and today it's we've torn down walls, we've replaced the whole roof, we were able to add a new showroom on to display what the ladies make. Um, and it's just bright and cheery now to come to work. Um, so that's where I said we're down to the 26 workers, and that includes all hand daily laborers and peace workers. And um, today we still receive doll orders maybe three, four times a year. So it keeps when they when we get them, they come back. But God just, I mean, He's just done a miracle there. Mm-hmm. Um, my only prayer is most of them, I would tell you, don't know the Lord. They would tell you they do. And everybody believes in God, 
So I quit asking, are you a believer? I said, are you following God? Do you read his word? And I get, no, we don't read his word. We don't understand it. So it's a huge burden. So we're looking forward, hopefully, to another translation coming out. Great. What surprised you the most about God? For me, is that he cared about me. Who was I? Mm-hmm. I was nobody. Um, I, I come from a broken home, and I was always searching for hope and happiness in the wrong way, mm-hmm. wrong direction. And when you realize who God is, that he saved me, who was I? That he gave me hope in life. Mm-hmm. And I tell everybody, without God, there is no hope. God is my hope. And I look forward to the day to be able to go back, to go to heaven and thank my grandmother who prayed for 10 years for me to return to him. And she got Alzheimer's and passed away before she realized that her prayers never went unanswered. She knows today she's in heaven, Mm -hmm. but I live for the day to thank her. And I thank God every day for saving me. Thanks. Les, how about you? What has surprised you the most about God? God's... Uh, mercy and patience. Mm. Um, I mean, we talk about all these great things that we've realized about him and, and we know them. Uh, and, and yet it's so easy to want to do what I want to do and to live the way I want to live and to, you know, to forget that he's there. And yet we know that's not true. Mm. And, uh, uh, so he's, he is long suffering. Mm-hmm. And and so I've grown to learn what that even means about God, that we're still learning and, and he's still uh, conforming us into the image of his son. And, and he will do that. He promised he'll do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's there's no way that I would put up with me. And, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> as many times uh, uh, as as you say, God, forgive me. Uh, you know, I would just, I would just say enough, and God never, ever says enough. Thanks. Thank you, too. It's been good to be with you. And you. I just get excited every time mm. I talk with you. And I'm always excited to hear about who God is raising up mm. that you're coming alongside of, both of you. So, thank you. Thanks we appreciate for what you a do. Thank you. Thank you. Psalm 107, verse 43 says about stories like this Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. If you have a story you'd like to share, or you know of someone who does, please go to our website at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com and click on Submit a Story. God is doing things all over in all of his people, and we want to know about as many stories as possible. So please do go to the website and submit a story. Also, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. You can tweet us at GodSeeing or comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages at SeeingGodPodcast. You can also email us at seeinggodpodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced in the studios at Lancaster Bible College. I'm Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Our engineer is George Haynes. And our show music is Siberia by Dmitry Lukyanov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seeing God. <laughs> <laughs>